Our first lesson this evening from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 15th chapter. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted, who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from his goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and all his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. I am going to be using the introit, part of the Psalm 39, and also a verse from 2 Peter chapter 3. You can follow along with some of that in the bulletin. Uh, Let me reread this verse, 12, from 
Psalm 39, and from 2 Peter chapter 3. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. For I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. And then from Peter, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. It's good to be with you again. I, my wife and I were on vacation. In fact, last Sunday I was preaching in Beaufort, South Carolina at a small church there. And this vacation was because our trip to Israel had been uh, obviously canceled because of the terrible war there and postponed. Uh, it was good, though, because we had that time set aside to get away for a little bit. But as you all know, too, going on a vacation is fine. Coming home is uh, just as well in many ways. And this is a nice introduction to this theme that we have this, this evening before us in this last Sunday of the church year. So what do we mean by the church year? Well, the church year refers to all the weeks, the 52 weeks of the year, and each week has a set of scripture readings. Half of the year is the journey of Jesus to the cross, to the empty tomb, and to his ascension to heaven. And that will begin in the season of Advent, and of course, get started with a bang with Christmas, his birth, and all of that. The other half of the church of the church year begins at Pentecost, when 3,000 Christians were baptized in Jerusalem. And it is the journey of the church, you might say, our journey of faith through life, a journey that obviously also ends for us eventually at Judgment Day. And so today I want to speak about Judgment Day, and as Peter says, the new heavens and earth, the home of righteousness. Many people mock or ignore what the Bible has to say about Judgment Day. Peter said that people walk according to their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of his coming? That is to say, the Bible said Judgment Day is coming, but thousands of years have passed by and nothing's happened yet. They forget, Peter reminds them, of the great flood when God, as a forewarning to Judgment Day, nearly destroyed the entire world with water. They scoff at the promises of a fiery judgment and a destruction of ungodly men. In times of peace and prosperity, we all might wonder, is Judgment Day really necessary? Maybe all we need is a little more help from God, and we can improve this world, and we can maybe finally get rid of sin and all of its troubles. But again, thousands of years have taught us that that idea fails miserably. The barbaric attacks of Hamas upon Israel just show us how deep the evil runs still in this world. I'm not saying we shouldn't work to curb it and to try to contain it, but God's Word stresses over and over again that we cannot cure it. Peter tells us that we are to look to a new heaven 
and a new earth, the home of righteousness, a home where there's no sin or any of the effects of sin, especially suffering and death. Jesus was referring to this judgment day in the parable of Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. I want you to notice the sheep are those who are blessed by God. What was the, what's the heart of their blessing? What's the blessing that God wants every single person to have? And that blessing is the blessing of repentance and forgiveness and of new life that rises up from that repentance and forgiveness. Blessed, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, the goats, Jesus says, are cursed. And then he immediately compares them to the devil and to his sin, which is the cause of his curse. Rebellion, pride, lack of repentance. Also notice in the parable that there are no big sins mentioned, murder and stealing and things like that, but rather littler things like lack of visiting or providing clothing or feeding. Uh, This is the problem of people who did not seek the mercy of God and therefore did not give it. Again, from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. As human beings, we all have the tendency to look at the final results of things and forget to see that all final results have a beginning. And this is the way God looks at the entire world. Every murderer began at some point as a person who didn't care about God. And there are a lot of people who don't care about God and they're not murderers. But the fact that they don't care about God encourages others not to care about God. And eventually, murderers will rise up from within that group. And this is why God looks at it as all being the same, because they all rise up from the same pot. Now, God does not force people to repent or to seek His mercy, but He warns against this ignorance and uh, ignoring of Him. In Revelation chapter 17, John refers to the ancient city of Rome as Babylon the Great. Now, both of those cities, ancient Babylon and ancient Rome, were leading cities of this world. But what did they lead the world in? They led the world into sin. So John calls this Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and abominations. And then he says there's a word or name written on her forehead. And what do you think that word or name is? It's not evil one or wicked one or something like that. It is simply the word mystery. Because it is a mystery as to why people would spurn the mercy of God and not come to repentance for their sins. Or like Peter, seek the new heaven and the new earth, the home of righteousness. Why that happens, I do not know, you do not know, no one knows. The Bible stresses that is a mystery. Now, I don't know why they care, 
they don't care, and I also know that it's not my problem or your problem to fix. Rather, the Bible urges you and me to think about our own lives. Peter ends his second letter with these words, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. And so the Bible is a book that contains all kinds of examples of people who did just that. And two of those people that we're thinking about today especially are David, the shepherd and king of Israel, and Peter, the fisherman and apostle. Now in Psalm 39, as we sang part of it in our intro this, this evening, we, it begins though with David having some great anxiety in his heart. He says there is like a fire burning in his heart. And then in verse 4 he says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days. This was his anxiety. This was the tremendous fire in his heart. Now I know all of you have heard this word, existential. You've heard it thrown around. It's kind of a cool word that people like to say. And they say it about just about anything. Like, global warming is an existential threat to the world. But the word existential originally did not refer to a threat against our existence. Existential referred to the meaning of our existence and the purpose of our existence. And this is something God's Word constantly is trying to get clear to us. What does it profit a man, Jesus asked, if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul. Why do you worry so much about that which threatens your existence when you do not even know the purpose of your existence in the first place? In Psalm 39, David says, Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. They heap up riches and does not know who will gather them. David refers to himself as being frail, his days like hand breaths and a vapor. But now David comes to the meaning of his and yours and my existential life. Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. This is the problem with this world, sin and transgressions. From the littlest lies to the worst genocides that the world has ever seen. Most people would probably pray, my hope is in you. Go out and kill all the evil people. In 1973, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote the famous book, Gulag Archipelago which went through tremendous detail of the horrendous crimes uh, committed and the atrocities committed in the Soviet prison camps. But this book was not about politics. And Solzhenitsyn warns anyone who reads it not to look at, that, look at it that way. Politics is a symptom of evil. I should say bad politics is a symptom of evil, but not the source of it. And in that book, there is this famous line. 
If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the dividing line, the, the, but the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. That is to say, the problem of sin and transgression and every other problem in this world is a problem that we are all a part of. And that is why there must be a judgment day. Sinners are never going to bring forth complete justice in this world. And so God calls us to confess like David, to seek God's forgiveness as it is offered to us in His Son Jesus, the only place where you will find that kind of a promise and a reality. He urges us to realize that out of this broken and contrite heart will rise up a new person who loves God and loves neighbor, who says, as David does again in Psalm 39, verse 12, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. We are a sojourner in this world. It is a fallen and evil world. We work to curb the evil of it, but we cannot cure it. And so we look to Jesus and to that better place. In keeping, as Peter says, with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We're not lost in this existential journey in an evil world. We know where we're going. We know how to get there. And we are picking up people all along the way, teaching them the same things we have been taught and giving them the same mercy that God has given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.